Hello, I'm Tyler Smith, and this is More Than One Lesson. Um, uh, hopefully everybody had a, a good holiday, a good Christmas and New Year's. Um, yeah, uh, I meant to put up an episode on uh, A Christmas Carol, the new film with uh, Jim Carrey, but uh, unfortunately time just ran out and I had to uh, go out of town. So uh, sorry I wasn't able to do that. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed uh, the episodes that did go up, uh, uh, and so special thanks to Josh Long uh, for for being a, a guest on uh, the longest show uh, ever so far. Uh, and in uh, speaking of that, actually, uh, okay, yeah, um, <coughs> uh, we have uh, winners for the raffle, uh, and uh, the winners will receive uh, an autographed copy of Josh's uh, for the title. Um, so here we go. I'll just announce who they are right now. Uh, <laughs> so first is Ben Bronsink. Uh, I'm, I'm probably going to get some of these names wrong, uh, as far as pronunciation, so I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, Ben Bronsink. Um, so yeah, uh, congratulations, Ben. This one I know I'm going to get wrong. Ilya Scheidwasser. Uh, yeah, I'm sure the pronunciation on that is incorrect. Uh, and then lastly, uh, Stephanie Smith, I don't know what kind of deal you have with the randomizer. Uh, I don't know how you keep winning uh, raffles, but uh, I don't like it. But nonetheless, you've won this one. So, uh, so yeah, Stephanie Smith, Ilya uh, Scheidwasser, and Ben Bronsink. Uh, so uh, please email me your addresses, uh, tyler at morethanonelesson.com, and uh, we will send those to you as soon as we can. Uh, in other news... Uh, More Than One Lesson has been mentioned on a couple of, uh, couple of other websites, uh, that were very kind to us. Um, over at fusionarts.ning.com, uh, they have an extended, uh, an extended review of the show, uh, and they say some very nice things about us, so, uh, head on over there, and, uh, then I was, uh, listed among some of the, uh, the top... Uh, comparative religion blogs or websites on uh, at uh, onlinechristiancolleges.net. So, um, admittedly, I'm not 100% sure what comparative religion means. So, uh, maybe I don't belong on the list. I don't know. Uh, but uh, onlinechristiancolleges.net, uh, I actually checked out the website, and, uh, and it actually is a, a pretty good resource for, um, well, specifically for uh, students, uh, Christian students who, uh, you know, are in college or high school, but I'd say specifically college. So, uh, head over there. It's got, uh, some nice, uh, blog entries and, uh, it's just a, it's just a nice resource and, uh, I appreciate them putting me on that list, even though, yes, I don't necessarily know what it means. Um, <clears throat> all right. Uh, I guess, uh, I'll move on to this. Um, so I was, uh, uh this was actually a couple of months ago. Um, I was, looking at various reviews uh, online of Fireproof, which uh, we talked about on this show uh, in episode 13, I believe. I think it's 13. And so I was, uh, I was looking to see what other people thought of it, so I went to uh, IMDb and I looked at uh, the external reviews, and uh, I found a, a website, I won't say what it is, because um, I, I don't really feel like giving them a plug, to be honest, um, <clears throat> in which... Uh, a guy reviewed it uh, very favorably, and it, it was just the the website is just his personal uh, blog, and uh, 
he thought that the movie was really great and thought that there was a lot uh, in the film for people. Um, and, uh, and here's something that I'll say just right now uh, regarding Fireproof, because uh, some people thought that I was not hard enough uh, on the film. Uh, what I'll say is this, is that uh, my wife and I have started reading uh, The Love Dare, and the book is actually quite good and quite useful. Um, there's some stuff in there that's just kind of uh, eh, kind of a no-brainer. You kind of know already what they're getting at. But then there's some chapters that are actually uh, very interesting and very thought-provoking. And, uh, and so if you are married, uh, I highly recommend uh, reading it. <clears throat> but uh, so here's what I'll say is that every uh, – <coughs> I wound up uh, kind of recommending Fireproof uh, based on some of the message that it has. Uh, and now that I'm reading the book, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say, there's no reason to watch Fireproof. Just get the book. Um, because as much as I believe in some of the things that Fireproof has to say, uh, there's no reason to wade through uh, two hours of bad art to get there. Um, especially when the filmmakers themselves have put something out that's much more direct. And so I'd say... Just get the book. There's no reason to watch that movie. It's not a good movie. Um, so I wanted to get that out of the way. Uh, and so that was a tangent. Back to this guy's uh, blog. So he came out very favorably uh, uh, for the film. Um, and there were various uh, people commenting on his blog. Uh, and then one of the com- and they, they were all very favorable of the film as well. <coughs> and then near the end, uh, back from February 3rd of uh, 2009... Uh, somebody commented on his blog and said, I am watching the movie right now, and disappointedly, it is poor quality acting, low budget, and a sappy Hallmark kind of movie story. It makes some good points, but no one in this day and age will sit through it long enough to get the good points. I am so sad. I really had hopes this time that it was going to be a high-quality movie, but once again, the Christians have failed the film industry. When, God, when. Uh, Good points, all of those. The person... uh, it's not a good movie, and honestly, if the point is to uh, if the point of the film is to get certain messages across to Christians or non Christians, uh, particularly non Christians are not going to want to watch. They're not going to sit through it long enough to get to the point. Um, and then the uh, the author of the blog responds to this person's comment by saying, "Hmm, why do I suspect that it isn't the quality of the acting or the production values that really bothers you?" Um, so I read that a couple months ago and, uh, I, (laughs) it bothered me a lot at the time and I, uh, responded to the guy's blog. I wrote my own comment, uh, but he had said it, he, 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 uh, you know, put the settings so that, uh, a comment would not be, would not be shown, uh, unless he approved it. And so, uh, so if you look now, you'll find that uh, the the rather lengthy comment that I resp- that I uh, wrote uh, is it won't be found there. He uh, clearly did not like what I had written, or maybe it just it, maybe it's not as sinister as that. Maybe he just you know this blog is from about a year ago. Maybe it just wasn't in the forefront of his brain. Um, nonetheless, uh, it's something that I want to address now. Um, and I was talking with a friend of the show, uh, Nathan Potter. Last night, in fact, in which I, I said that perhaps I, I shouldn't bring this up because uh, for some reason I'm just I'm still very emotionally close to it, and I don't want to 
get overly angry and wind up just uh, burying my point in a in a lot of uh, bravado. But uh, anyway, so so this person, uh, you know what? I don't know why I assumed it was a woman. Um, it's KT. I guess I just assumed that was Katie, but I guess that could be a man. So this person who who objected to the the quality of the film, and then the author saying. <clears throat> Why do I suspect that it isn't the quality of the acting or the production values that really bothers you? Um, the way in which he wrote it, and of course, it's difficult to know inflections and tone uh, in in writing and certainly in a blog comment. Um, it sounded a little smug to me uh, because the author is implying without actually saying that perhaps uh, this person objects to what the film has to say and is hiding uh, their objection uh, behind uh, artistic uh, complaints um, and I think that is there's very little that bothers me more than that kind of attitude um, there are certain things that I think a lot of Christians these days uh, have somehow canonized or deified in and of, in and of themselves um, I would say a good example is the passion of the Christ um, and now there's fireproof and um, it's that it's fine if it meant if it means a lot to you, go right ahead and enjoy it. But one thing that I really don't like, and I would venture to say one thing that I cannot abide, is when a Christian ha- another Christian has a legitimate beef with the film, and somebody else acts as if that is somehow a reflection on this person's spiritual life. Uh, as if, oh, well, you don't like Fireproof, so clearly there's something wrong with you and your relationship with God. Um, That is terrible. I absolutely hate the idea of that because Fireproof is not the Bible. Fireproof is not Jesus. It's just something that a bunch of non-professionals made that some people found meaningful. Um... And so I'm not really sure what to say. I, what I, you know what? I'll tell this story. Um, so years ago when I mentioned Passion of the Christ, years ago when Passion of the Christ came out, um, and I've told this story on Battleship Pretension, so I'm sure some of you have heard it before. Um, <clears throat> by the time my wife and I, uh, she was not my wife at the time, um, by the time we got around to seeing it, <clears throat> it had been hyped up so much by the church that, I mean, if you're a Christian, you love Passion of the Christ. And I myself, before even seeing it, I was excited to see it. I was excited that uh, a non-Christian film company was putting something out. And granted, uh, Mel Gibson, uh, you know, claims Christianity, and so there's that. But his his company is not officially a Christian company. And so I was excited for it. Um, And so I saw it, and frankly, I'm not a huge fan of Passion of the Christ. That's just me. so after Jen and I went to see it, because she at this point was still, Jen is my wife, for those that don't know, uh, she was still a relatively new Christian at this point, and, excuse me, I'm, I'm still getting over a, a cold, uh, so she was a relatively new Christian, and so we watched the film, and uh, after the film is over, I was actually quite, not necessarily disappointed, but I was surprised at how much it did not necessarily affect me emotionally. Uh, so I look over at Jen, and she is, in fact, crying. And I thought, okay, well, maybe I should keep my complaints to myself because it clearly had a, you know, it had a, uh, an impact on her. 
So I asked her if everything's okay, and then she said that she fell asleep um, and that she feels terrible for falling asleep uh, during Passion of the Christ. Um, it's This is not necessarily supposed to be funny, but it reminds me of that, that scene in uh, on Seinfeld where... Jerry and his girlfriend are making out during Schindler's List and it's just and his parents are mortified by that because they're Jewish and of course you don't make out during Schindler's List even though Schindler's List it's it's a wonderful film and it's very harrowing but it's just a movie uh and Jen fell asleep during Passion of the Christ Jen falls asleep during movies sometimes but somehow she felt because there was so much pressure in the film going community to not only like, but love and embrace the passion of the Christ. There was so much pressure that she took it as a, she took it as a reflection of her spiritual life that she, not only did she not really respond to it, but she actually fell asleep. How can you fall asleep during the the crucifixion of Jesus? What a terrible Christian you must be. And this is, I think, the problem when, when Christians as I said, just really play up and really overemphasize certain things that are not the Bible. They are not Jesus. They are not God or any of the other actual important elements of Christianity. And for this man, for the author of this blog to, to take all of the, you know, it wasn't an extended paragraph, but it was just to take an entire paragraph of this person having an objection to Christian film not being better artistically. For him to just take all that, throw it out the window, minimize this person's view, and literally question where they are spiritually, that's the worst thing you can do. If people, if non-Christians see Christians dealing with each other in this way, why on earth would they ever want to be a part of this? And I realize that I am now speaking of another Christian in this way as well. But, and so I, you know, hopefully I'm not coming off as too hateful. And again, maybe this guy, maybe he didn't mean it the way that I'm reading it, but it certainly seems like he does. And Christians should not treat anybody this way, much less each other. Uh, we don't necessarily all have to agree, but we do need to treat each other with respect and I'd say give each other the benefit of the doubt. Um, so... Anyway, that was something that I wanted to say, and it, I guess it kind of leads into uh, today's topic. Oh, man. Okay, we've been going for 15 minutes already. Sorry, everybody. Um, so uh, over the holidays, I watched uh, a documentary called uh, Tyson, <clears throat> and it's directed by uh, James Toback. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me, um, and it is a, a documentary about Mike Tyson, and uh and it is actually told largely from his point of view. He sits in front of the camera and talks about his life, the very, you know, how he grew up, how he became, you know, heavyweight champion, and how that slowly but surely, actually not that slowly, um, was stripped away from him and all the terrible choices that he made uh, in his life. And uh, and it's really a fascinating it's really a fascinating film because if there's because going in I mean there are certain things that we all know about Mike Tyson we know that he was a particularly brutal fighter uh, we know that he was you know he's been accused and, 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 and you know has actually been convicted of assault and rape um, we know that in an attempt to uh, you know get his uh, you know get his boxing prestige back he. Uh, was in a, a, a bout with uh, Evander Holyfield, during which time he bit off his ear. 
we know all these things about him, and uh, really, Tyson, uh, Mike Tyson, seems like a terrible person. Um, just a, a guy who has no good in him. Um, and uh, so I was really in, so I, I'd read the reviews of of, of the documentary, uh, and I thought, well, this is a movie I need to see. And so I watched it, and uh, sure enough. <coughs> You know, Mike Tyson is uh, into his 40s now. He's looking older, if not 50s. I don't really know exactly how old he is, but I think he's into his 40s. Um, you know, he's older now. And you listen to him talk, and he uh, he's surprising. He's surprisingly uh, well-spoken. You know, I, I I have a certain image of him because he's he's been parodied in, you know, on Saturday Night Live and in Living Color as just this guy with this lisp who has this weird way of speaking and he's kind of an idiot. Um, and then the first thing that strikes you is how articulate Mike Tyson is. Now, he does have a little bit, uh, a bit of a lisp and he does have a we- uh, an odd way with words. For example, I'd recommend this movie if for no other reason so that you get to hear Mike Tyson use the word skullduggery. Um, uh, more than once. Also, uh, it should be noted. Um, but uh, so the f- so immediately when watching the film, I realized this is not the guy that I thought it was. Just just hearing him speak right away, <clears throat> and then uh, as time goes on, uh, it's become clear that as he's gotten older, there are certain things that he has come to really, really regret uh, in his life. Um, he does not stand by. Uh, his behavior in a lot of cases. Um, now admittedly, uh, when it comes to talking about the rape conviction, um, uh, the movie kind of breezes over it. Uh, Tyson protests his, uh, his innocence and, and then it just kind of moves on. Now I recognize that the film is from his point of view, but I feel like, uh, it probably could have been a bit more probing. There were, there was a lot of talk about how, uh, the allegations were false, and this woman w- and the woman who accused him was just, uh, you know, a gold digger and and all that. And she just kind of uh, capitalized on on Tyson's image as this brutal man, and everyone just kind of assumed she was telling the truth. And so um, now I don't know if she is or not. I don't know if he is or not. Uh, I think the film probably could have spent a little bit more time. I mean, he did. He was convicted of rape and spent uh, some time in jail. That seems like an important part of a person's life. Um, so I think that might be the flaw with the film is, you know, one of seemingly if he in fact did it, one of his biggest regrets uh, would have been this. And they just kind of comb over it. Um, and he still said that he was innocent. And I feel like the filmmaker probably could have pressed him a little bit more. Uh, but he just kind of moves on. So I think that is a flaw with the film. But everything else, um, I mean, it shows footage of Tyson, like, screaming at a heckler uh, and using all manner of terrible words and saying really, really awful things. Um, and you come to realize some of the background, um, that he was, you know, a troubled kid who was made fun of and picked on a lot, and that as he got older, he got into boxing. And then... Uh, you know, kind of uh, was mentored by a guy named Cus D'Amato, who uh, was an older man and really gave uh, the the frustration and the rage of this kid, gave it direction, but also 
didn't just use it, uh, you know, didn't say, oh, well, this, here we have an angry kid. We can turn him into a great boxer. He also tried to give him confidence uh, in himself, which is something that he sorely lacked. Um, and not to, and, you know, didn't focus on his anger, just tried to turn that into an actual drive and ambition. And Customato really seemed like uh, a very positive influence in Mike Tyson's life. Um, but, as mentioned, he was an old, uh, an old man, and so he actually wind, wound up dying uh, right before Tyson uh, won the heavyweight title. And, uh, and it's very, cl- and Tyson was still pretty young at this point. Um, I think he was still in his like teens or early twenties and Cuss was pretty much uh, a father figure to him. And of course, when you have a father figure, uh, die and then you're just kind of left with nothing, you know, you got to find something else to take its place. And so, you know, Tyson, he turned to drugs, he turned to all, all, all manner of things and it really, and you can only do that for so long before it starts to take its toll. And so, um, now of course that doesn't excuse his behavior, um, but it really, one of the things that I like about the documentary is that it takes a person that we all think we know, and then it says, "Well, hang on, there's more to this person. Uh, they regret what they do. It's not like he's sitting around being like, oh man, I'm so happy I bit off of Andrew Holyfield's ear.'" Um, he regrets that, you know, he's had time to reflect on his life. Um, and so there's more to the person. It doesn't necessarily make them a good person, but it at least acknowledges that nobody is as simple as they may appear. Um, and that there are good sides and bad sides to, to everybody. Um, and in that sense, (coughs) I will compare it to another documentary that's actually, it, it, I feel like it's almost inspired by this documentary. Uh, the documentary is called The Fog of War, and it was directed by Errol Morris. He won, uh, it won Best Documentary uh, in 2003, or for 2003, uh, and it is about Robert McNamara, who was the uh, Secretary of Defense under Kennedy and Johnson, and many people felt that he was the architect of the Vietnam War. Uh, and it's interesting because, you know, I didn't live uh, through that era, and so I have a little bit of distance on it. And so when I saw The Fog of War, I really didn't have much of an association with McNamara. Um, meanwhile, I talked to my uncle who, you know, who was involved uh, in the Vietnam War. And I was telling him about uh, the film. And I mentioned that it's about McNamara. And my uncle immediately goes, oh, that bastard. Like, McNamara is not a loved figure. Uh, he's not even really that well-respected. A lot of people blame him and him almost exclusively uh, for the Vietnam War. He, he was kind of the Donald, uh, the, the Rumsfeld uh, of his day. And so um, so in the fog of war, you get him now, at, you know, he's, he's since passed away, but at the time, he was like 85. All of his friends, his wife, they had all passed away by then. And he has just clearly spent his life thinking on what he could have done better uh, in Vietnam, in World War II, um, <coughs> just thinking about the mistakes that he had made in his life. And so uh, so it's really quite touching to see uh, this, this man who, you know, one of the things that, you know, I, I voted for Bush twice, and uh, I'm not... And then I voted for Obama. Uh, it's none of your business who I voted for, but I'm I'm volunteering it to say that uh, 
that uh, I came to regret the way that I voted, and I there are a lot of things I didn't like uh, as time went on about the Bush administration. One of the things I didn't like is that, you know, I understand you got to stick by your guns, you got to stand your ground, and if you make a decision, you kind of have to stick by it, especially when you don't have a lot of you don't have a lot of distance on it. Um, but one of the things that bothered me is that uh, even when when mistakes were made, uh, nobody ever said nobody ever said that it could have been done better. Um, I, I don't know. It's, I know that's kind of a, a weird thing that, you know, you don't necessarily want your president just saying, Hey, look at all these mistakes I've made, but ag- at least acknowledging that maybe, uh, things d- couldn't, could have gone a little better. Um, I don't know. It's, it's a little more humanizing and, and I think that's one of the things that appealed to me about uh, the fog of war is that this, this guy, you know, he's the first one to say that he's done some things wrong. Um, and he clearly regrets it and has spent a lot of his time trying to not necessarily make up for it, but trying to figure out exactly what was done wrong, how he could have done it better. And he's written, you know, several books about it. Uh, I think that's why he was willing to do the documentary is because he wanted to impart the things that he's learned over the course of his life. Um, and so, you know, McNamara is a, is a very hated individual uh, to some people, but he's not just one-dimensional. There's a lot of sides to him, and <clears throat> and I think it's interesting and, and worth watching uh, the film to understand where he is coming from, even if you don't agree with him. Um, you know, and then there's another documentary uh, that I want to touch on very briefly called Deliver Us from Evil, and that's directed by Amy Berg, and it's about, and I believe it was nominated, but it didn't win, uh, and it's about uh, Oliver O'Grady, who was a, a Catholic priest who admitted to uh, molesting uh, about 25 children over the course of his life, uh, and it's really quite terrible what he did, um, but the filmmaker, in true documentary fashion, sat down, interviewed him for, for uh, I think, a day or two, uh, let him tell his own story, and basically just gave him the chance. Uh, you know, didn't want to just say, didn't want to talk to everybody else, have this guy be characterized as a monster, and then just leave it at that. She wanted to give him the chance to talk about where he's coming from, to express remorse, Um and it's interesting because the guy expresses some remorse, but uh, he, he's he's an odd he's an odd guy as I as one would assume um, because he regrets what he's done, but he doesn't really seem to understand the impact that it had on the lives of of his victims, and um, and he doesn't seem real interested in in that. But the filmmaker, at the very least, gave him uh, gave him a shot to you know. It wanted us to show, you know, it, it wanted us to understand that uh, that this guy is a person. He's not some kind of crazy monster. He's a person just like all of us, and we could wind up where he is. You never know. We could wind up where Mike Tyson is, where the fo- uh, where the fog of war, ugh, where uh, Robert McNamara is. You know, if we're not careful, and that's why it's important to to see these people as people, but also. You know, if if someone was talking about you or me without really knowing me, who knows what they would say? I mean, I've had things said, uh, bad things said about me by people that don't know me. Um, and you you really want to believe that that uh, that you're more than just what these people have said about you. And chances are, 
you are. Um, and that's one of the things that I that I always loved about uh, to bring this back around to the the Christian element. It's one of the things I always loved about Jesus is that um, he was very notable and rather controversial at the time for seeking out people that everybody else thought they had pegged. Um, you know, in in Luke, there's uh, several <clears throat> there's several stories in which uh, Jesus, you know, he talks to a centurion and uh, and. People didn't really like centurions at the time because, you know, uh, Rome uh, was uh, not everybody's favorite. And the centurions were, you know, in charge of uh, enforcing uh, Roman rule. And so for Jesus to actually uh, converse with one uh, or to deal with him at all, really, uh, was unheard of at the time. And then another another thing is uh, the, the, the account of uh, Zacchaeus who was a tax collector and nobody liked tax collectors. They were seen as corrupt and, uh, and traitors because they were not Roman, but they were still collecting money for the Romans. And chances are they were probably pocketing a little before themselves. So they're getting rich, uh, off of the backs of, uh, of their own people. Um, and the fact that Jesus talked to the centurion and he talked to Zacchaeus and he gave them a chance to, you know, change their ways, but the fact that he talked to them at all and treated them as not monsters, as actual people, uh, well, it was unheard of at the time. I mean, when, uh, uh, so, <coughs> excuse me, you can find the, the account of uh, the centurion, uh, Luke 7, 1 through 10, and then Zacchaeus, uh, Luke 19, 1 through 10. And uh, there's a part where uh, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. And so, you know, people were just uh, unwilling to to view Zacchaeus as, as uh, just a regular person, or they were unwilling to view themselves as sinners. And so it's really... Uh, I think that's something that, that we as Christians can learn from something like Tyson, Fog of War, uh, the approach to deliver us from evil, is that, you know, we've all done pretty, pretty bad things in our lives. Uh, we just happen to not necessarily be uh, in the public spotlight when we did them. Um, and, and we need to keep that in mind when approaching people that are seemingly uh, untouchable or just they're absolutely wrong in every way. Um, and realize that they are just people. God loves them. Jesus died for them as well. And so we need to keep that in mind. And, uh, and watching Tyson and Fog of War and seeing this, the different sides to these people that we all think we know about um, really, really helps to, for us to gain perspective on other people and non-Christians and other Christians, you know? Um, and so, uh, so yeah, I highly recommend the movies. Uh, when watching Tyson, be forewarned there, there's some language in it. Um, and of course, if you are, uh, disturbed by very brutal boxing, uh, it's not the film for you, but, uh, it is very, it's, it's a very interesting film and I highly recommend it as I do fog of war and deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil is very disturbing. Um, because, Oliver O'Grady goes into a lot of detail about uh, the things that he's done, and it's difficult to 
to hear him say those things, and it's difficult to hear the way in which he says them. So uh, that one I would say go in cautiously, um, as with Tyson, but I think everyone should see Fog of War. I think it's one of the best movies of the of the last 10 years and one of the best documentaries of all time. So, um, so yeah, uh, I hope you... Uh, I really hope that you uh, see those movies, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, thank you all for listening. You can email me, Tyler, at morethanonelesson.com. You can follow me on Twitter, at morelessons. Um, and I think that is it. You can go to the website, morethanonelesson.com, and find, uh, you know, there's there's blogs uh, posted periodically. Not as many uh, as, you know, not as many these days because of the holidays, but uh, the bloggers are, are they're back to work, and they're posting stuff. So, uh, so yeah, thanks everybody for listening and I'll get you next time. Bye.